And as we continue on to this series, which has been going on and off for a while, I just want to say again how important it is that we develop and make room for this fruit in our lives. We all need to allow the Spirit to grow and cultivate this in each one of us. And we need the experience of it. We need to experience God's faithfulness so deeply in our lives. But we also need to experience it from each other. We need to experience faithfulness, God's faithfulness flowing through us, directed at each other. We need to be faithful towards one another. Amen? Even when it's difficult, even when it's not easy. And as followers of Jesus, we have to be dedicated to producing these things in our lives. The things and the fruit that are from him. So if the Holy Spirit, right, it's the fruit of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit prioritizes it, then so does Jesus and so does the Father. Because they are completely inseparable in character and desire. They are completely united in what they want to do and accomplish in and through our lives. Right? All of who God is, is in full agreement and full unity at how he wants to grow and develop things in his family and in his people. And as we touched on at Easter, the fruit of the Spirit is the good and the nutritious stuff that God wants to birth in us that will help us live the fullest life and help us share the fullest life with those outside of this place. So then as we jump into faithfulness, what is it exactly and what does the Bible have to say? Hebrews 11.1, 1. you can turn to that if you have your Bibles with you. First part of the verse, 11, uh, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 1a says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So it says very clearly that our faith is confidence, hope, and assurance about the things that we cannot see and about the things that we cannot control. And let me tell you, that's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. That's most things. So our faithfulness is the reality of walking that out practically, even though we can't see the full picture, we're not in charge, and putting ourselves in a position where we need to practically trust that God will do and will provide what he has promised and said he will do and he will provide. Faith and choosing to be faithful is a common experience and a common discipline we share with all believers, now and in the past. People like Noah, Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. Can I just say quickly that when you read scripture... Uh, we elevate these people, we hold them in high regard, and, and that's, that's good to do, but they're also very real broken people. Moses is a murderer. Moses is a murderer. He killed someone with his bare hands, and we elevate him as a father of the faith, and Jesus elevates him as a father of the faith. Whatever you got going on, Jesus can overcome it. As far as I know, we have no convicts of murder in this place. And if you're here, you should take extreme encouragement in this passage. Um, well, you're welcome. You're welcome, Ralph. The only thing that Ralph murders is my dreams. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was, that was, that was horrible. That was horrible. That was horrible. It's all love and it's good. Everyone calm down. We're a family. We can play a bit, can't we? So again, this is a common experience. This is a common experience we share with all those tied through scripture and in the past. But it's also going to be a common experience with those who would have the courage to say yes to Jesus in the future. 
isn't it? They will have to walk in their faith and learn what it is to be faithful. So as we say yes to faith, and as we say yes to the act of being faithful, what that looks like is that we take those practical steps and we acknowledge how finite and limited we are compared to the holiness and power and infinite wisdom of God. So what does it practically look like to take those steps of faithfulness, to enact our faith practically? Well, there's a story in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, that I think might help us understand a bit about how faithfulness might practically look. I'm reading it out of the message translation today, and I invite you to follow along. It says this, It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one he gave $5,000 and to another 2000 To a third 1000 depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off the first servant went to work and he doubled his master's investment. The second did the same. But the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant with the 2000 showed him how he had also doubled his master's investment. And his master also commended him. Good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. Then the servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and you absolutely hate careless ways and that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was really afraid that I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and I secured your money and here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That is a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would be to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least it would have gotten a little bit of interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him into utter darkness. Well, that's the encouraging word of the Lord this morning. Uh, Man, I just feel so alive. Oh man, sometimes the word just puts you to school, doesn't it? Um, Oftentimes, in reading a parable like this, in reading this exact parable, it's linked to teachings about giving and about stewardship, which does have a lot to say and a lot of overlap with our faithfulness. So I think that's a good reading. And I think that how we give and how we serve And how we steward what we have been given is absolutely and incredibly important. And it's a very practical way that we wrestle through our faith. And it has so much overlap with our faith and our faithfulness because none of us see that full picture, right? None of us see that full picture. The servants in this story were not told where the master was going. The servants in this story did not know when the master was planning to return. And the servants that I know of also did not have a contract dealing with their compensation while the master was being away. We don't know uh, that they were guaranteed any way of personally profiting from the work that they were given. They didn't know that he would come 
and extend them further resources or anything like that. They didn't have any of that information. They are asked to keep the best interests of a master who is not present and to take risks with assets that are not their own towards an outcome they cannot fully see or fully understand. Friends, that takes faith and that takes faithfulness to do. And that is what God calls each one of us to do. We are called as servants to take what we are given and risk and multiply it for someone else's kingdom that is not our own. We are called to risk extensively for a kingdom that is not our own. None of us see the full plan of God. It takes faith to even believe it's there or to see it sometimes. And none of us know when he's coming back. Lots of people try. No one sees his full majesty or understands his full plan. We trust in his goodness, in his, in his provision, and in his redemption. Yeah. We don't see the other side of death. We're not God. We're very limited and finite people putting our faith in a God who's good and full of love. We are each given things, and we are each asked to work and risk for the name of Jesus and for his kingdom before our own. Do we risk for Jesus and his kingdom before we risk for our own? Or do we kind of protect our stuff before we risk outward? This is not an easy thing to do. It's a huge challenge. It's immense. So how do we actively build and support faithfulness in our lives so that we can get better at it? So that we can allow the power of his spirit to move through us? So before we jump into two ways that we can build and support faithfulness, I want to say something. That faithfulness is active and not passive. Faithfulness needs to be active in our lives. And we see this very strongly in the parable that we just read. It doesn't say what initiative, right? It doesn't say what initiative these servants took to double their master's investment. But there must have been a lot of action and a lot of activity to double that investment. The servant who was scolded, right? It said he didn't even do the least. And Jesus kind of said, the least you could have done, servant, was take my money to a bank and put it in a half-decent GIC at 2.6%. So the first thing that we can do is found in James 2.17, and it really drives this point home of faithfulness needing to be active. The verse in James 2.17 says this, in the same way, faith by itself if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh, that is us. That's a kick right in the pants, right where you need it sometimes. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Well, coming off that verse, I'd like to ask you, what is your next step in being faithful? <laughs> what is the the move you have to make? Is it coming to church and practicing faith in the context of community? Is it giving or serving within the body in a new way that stretches yourself in, in, in ways that might be uncomfortable? Is it inviting someone to church and sharing the hope of Jesus with someone you know needs that invitation or with a friend you maybe have been praying for for a long time? Whatever that next step is in your journey of faithfulness, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And unless we act on it and we sacrifice towards it, 
it will come to nothing and be no good for anyone. And that is not what Jesus had in mind. Clearly, he feels strongly that our faith and the action that it calls us to should completely transform our lives and should challenge this kingdom that we live in as we elevate his kingdom and his name and his word. That's what our our faithfulness should do. It should elevate his name and his kingdom and his word. The second thing that we're called to is found in 2 Corinthians 5-7. It says this, For we live by faith and not by not by sight. For we live by faith and not by sight. For me, this means coming to terms in practical realities with my limits and my finite understanding and placing my hope and trust in the words of Jesus. I've been a Christian a long time. How many of you guys have been in here been Christians for a while? For a while? I don't know that it gets easier. I think it gets harder. I'm pretty sure it gets harder. I don't find it easier today to put my hope in Jesus and my trust in Jesus in a way that costs me something than I did when I first knew him. In fact, I think it probably takes more get up and go and more intentionality because living in the kingdom and living for Jesus is in direct conflict with everything that feels good and comfortable to me. <laughs> it's, it's difficult and it's beautiful and it's right, and it's good. So I'm called to do these things uh, in a way that challenges and forms the actions that I am called to take. Actions that in faith I allow the Spirit to direct within me. Are we allowing the Spirit to direct what our faith and faithfulness looks like within us? So what are the things that you maybe can't see or that cause you fear? leads you to a state of paralysis. Do you guys know what that's like? Do you have anything that you don't see or don't fully understand that maybe is your roadblock when it comes to being faithful to God? I do. I have a few of these things. What fear or challenge is it in your life that holds you back? What does Jesus say about that in his word? Are we actually a people of faith? Or is that just a nice idea that is rarely expressed in how we actually choose to live. It's very easy to say, I love Jesus, I believe in him, I have faith in him, and to not have any practical, visible ways where that's tangible. There's a quote I like by Oswald Chambers that says this, the goal of faithfulness is not that we will do work for God, but that he will be free to do his work through us. The goal of faithfulness is not that we will do work for God, but that he would be free to do his work in us. We got to get out of the way. We got to allow God's spirit to come in, make his home in us and flow through us because it's the fruit of the spirit. As we wrap up today, I want us to spend a few moments in prayer because God has been so faithful to us so that we are called to live faithfully towards him. I want us to take a few minutes and listen to a song that I hope you know. I want it to wash over you. I want it to encourage you to live in the fullness that you are called to because God was good and faithful to you first. So I just invite you to sit back and enjoy a few minutes of reflection and praise and prayer together as we take this in.
God's faithfulness to each one of us in this room cost him his life. He held nothing back. His faithfulness was complete. Our faithfulness to him, it just costs you your life. Having faith in him, it'll just cost you everything. It'll just put you in complete opposition to the kingdom of this world. And we all have a next step to take. A step that needs action and a step that takes blind faith because we're finite. And that is not easy, but Jesus is here. His power is here and he would journey with us. Would you courageously ask him, what is your next step? That you are called to do by him. He will empower you. He will equip you. He will journey with you. But you're called to something. What is the next sacrifice, the next posture of faithfulness that God is calling you to in your life? Amen, church? It's good to be with you today. Allow me to just close in prayer as we wrap up. Jesus, we love you, God. We proclaim your love in this house together. We say, Jesus, that your name is great. We glorify you and we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, for your unfailing love that has never once let any person down. God, and even though we don't see all your ways or fully comprehend or understand what you're up to all the time, would you give us the courage to place our faith and trust and hope in you? And would you, God, give us courage to lean into our faithfulness and enact it in a way that becomes so powerful and transformative in this world? in our city, in our homes, in our families, in our hearts. Thank you so much for your presence and that you walk beside us. Thank you so much for the great gift of your faithfulness. May we go this week and not forget just how good you have been to us. How many promises you constantly fulfill. We're so grateful to you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Empower and equip faith and faithfulness in your people in new ways. And we say together as a family, amen.